This is The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. Tank Spencer and Jeremy Green with you on a Monday afternoon. Of course, the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app, live or on demand. And as always, we are live in the Ingles studio. Check out our friends at Ingles. Ingles, low prices, love the savings. You know, with so many things going on in the sports world, I mean... We've got we've got Major League Baseball hitting the stretch here. That's the, the first hit, thing yeah, you mentioned. Hitting the August stretch. We got the NBA Summer League. I mean, why do we have room to talk about football for of all things? I mean, it doesn't even start for three weeks. That's fine. <laughs> it, it all matters way more than what you just said. <laughs> I know you were tearing yourself away from all that summer league NBA action over the weekend, Jeremy Green. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good on NBA. The six way playoff at the Wyndham. That was that was something. Nope. No, all football didn't even didn't even get your attention. Mm-mm. It didn't all get football. Either. I watched. I watched parts of every game. <laughs> I saw highlights from from every game, and that's that's good enough for me. I spent a whole weekend out, uh, you know, gallivanting around with the family and catch some preseason football here and there. There's not a whole lot for me to see with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I yeah, mean, I saw everything awful. I needed to see. <laughs> I, I saw Zach Wilson be phenomenal. Oh, gosh, here we go. He's he's on this roll now. Zach Wilson's the best draft pick ever in the history of the NFL. Fantastic. That is a franchise quarterback if I've ever seen one. <laughs> this is now the new Ryan Leaf, Peyton Manning story. Trevor Lawrence is... Obviously playing the Ryan Leaf role. No, I I don't feel that way. I just feel like Zach Wilson, of all the rookies, he was the most impressive. I've heard Stephen A. Smith say that today. I've heard Max Kellerman say that today. And I agree. He was the most impressive. He was very controlled. Uh, And I'll be honest with you, there was good in all of them. If you had turned it, uh, if you had turned the San Francisco game off after about two Trey Lance drives, absolutely. (laughs) The end of Unfortunately, the end was not quite as pretty. Yeah. The the end of his first experience in preseason football did not go as well after that eighty yard touchdown pass that he had. And we also learned that Justin Fields can really wear out a defense comprised of guys that'll be working for FedEx in yeah. three weeks. I, I'm telling you, rookie of the year. Duh, he's, yeah, I'm not. I, I didn't clubhouse. see that. He's I, I'll be the honest clubhouse. with you. Of all the things that I've heard, that's the one where I went. Did we watch the same game? Because I don't think we did. <laughs> I saw him beat up on a on on a third string defense, mm-hmm. and he looked fantastic there. Unfortunately, I didn't see much that made me feel warm and fuzzy about him playing against. Well, I mean, the you boys. had to, you had to get the jitters out. You know, the first couple of snaps didn't go his you know didn't go his way. The first snap he fumbled it. The second snap was almost intercepted, and the third snap oh he fumbled it again. Thankfully, he didn't give up any of the fumbles, but still. But then after that, I mean, he settled in. Had a nice little stat line for a rookie quarterback, and now you have to you have to look at it and go this 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 should be Justin Fields' job. 
especially today with the reports coming out of uh, Chicago camp that Andy Dalton, I think, has thrown three interceptions today in practice. So now already the Chicago faithful are just immediately piling on to Justin Fields needs to start, Andy Dalton is crap. And I think I told you all that when the draft came around. I have very little doubt that Justin Fields is going to start the year for this team. Yes. I also would be remiss if I didn't tell you I don't necessarily think that's going to go all that pretty. I, th- I, I, I saw the same fun. thing in him that I told you around the draft. Mm-hmm. When things break down, his first instinct is to run. Yes. And he does not take care of himself the way that Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, even Lamar Jackson, who I've uh, I, you know I've been I've been down on how many hits he takes. Mm-hmm. That makes me nervous. I want to see a quarterback especially with a system. And that was the thing that I noticed the most. I don't feel like Urban Meyer's doing Trevor Lawrence any favors in Jacksonville. He appeared to rise above that. Mm -hmm. He's that talented. Do I think it's going to end tremendously for him? No, not really. You know, I heard Mike Tannenbaum in the, the ESPN bottom of the top of the hour update. Well, maybe they should play somebody else. Can we stop that? Can, can, I, I want that to be on conversation probation. What did he say? I missed it. That they, maybe, you know, the line's not good enough. Maybe they should just sit Trevor Lawrence until they get better. Uh, can we put that Hit on that conversation bell. probation? Hit that like, bell. Uh, don't, don't do that. Don't do, that's not how any of this works. That's not how, and don't, don't Joe Burrow me. Oh, well, he got hurt behind the back. Change the scheme. You got to scheme into that. You drafted a quarterback at one. He is going to play week one. Zach Wilson's going to play week one. Mm-hmm. Trey Lance is not going to come anywhere near the field. <laughs> we spent a lot of time talking about that. Yeah. That is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And John Lynch look, got everything he needed to say. Nope, Jimmy Garoppolo's job. Look, that would be the smartest thing that Urban Meyer has done so far in Jacksonville. Disagree if he with says, you. you know what, uh, let's just go ahead and trot Gardner Minshew out there and let him be the sacrificial lamb in front of this offensive line. Uh, so you, so, and, and here's, it, we didn't talk about this before the show, and the, the how mind-bogglingly ridiculous that is. So you're going to take away first-team reps from a rookie because you're scared of what's around him. Are you not the one that built the team? Like, did you have no say? Do you not have forty million dollars sitting in? Well, he didn't base? know. Remember, he didn't know. He didn't know who he was going to take with the number one pick. He tried to sell us on that. Oh, it's still up for discussion. We're not sure who we're going to take. That's yeah, what okay, a lie sounds you, like. Yeah, when you agreed to give the franchise tag to uh, Cam Robinson, who was you, brutal. You didn't know you were going to have a different quarterback back there. Yeah, him and Jawan Taylor both brutal got blown up mm-hmm. in the preseason game this week. It was it was ugly. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's no going back. There's no no. It, it, we, we and we talked about this at nauseum, and I don't plan on going down this road. The, if you're planning on starting the rookie week one, you should already know that. And I feel like the ones who will start, we already know that. Mm-hmm. That's why Justin Fields played a tremendous amount against the Dolphins. That's why Zach Wilson played into the second quarter against the Giants. That's why you saw a lot of Mac Jones. By the way, I don't think I've ever seen a player as defeated as Cam Newton looked on the sideline in New England. It was like he was watching Mac Jones just going, yep, that's Mm -hmm. exactly what they want. Take Mm -hmm. care of the ball. Don't win it for us. Just don't lose it for us. Yep. And I will say, I think four of the five rookies start week one. I would agree with that. 
I would definitely agree with that. And the one that that is going to be sitting on week one is the one that should be sitting on week one. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Sit him behind Jimmy Garoppolo and let Jimmy G, you know, I'm not going to say carry this team, but at least lead the team for the majority of the season. If something happens to Jimmy G, then we could throw Trey in there. Oh, John Lynch was the happiest. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were the winners of week one of preseason because they saw enough of Trey Lance to go, yep, that's the guy. Mm -hmm. And there was enough on tape that 49ers fans can see to go, he's not ready yet. Jumping up in competition, only played one game in 18 months. Obvious rust, obvious jump in in in, in the level of competition. 100%. We're all, I mean, Kyle Shanahan should be coming out in the next couple of days going, this is Jimmy's job. Mm-hmm. No controversy, no debate, no nothing. Jimmy is our starter. Jimmy will be our starter. But will he get crucified for that? No. Not after what you saw this weekend. I mean, against twos and threes, you saw Trey Lance. <laughs> I feel like there were about four quarterbacks over week one that you were just that close to it being an absolute disaster. Mm-hmm. Trey Lance is one of them. Justin Fields is one of them. Tua Tungavaloa was one of them. You missed disaster by that much, just by the thinnest of a razor margin. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Just keep going. Yeah. You mitigate the disaster, and you show improvement week by week. The week one of the preseason, there is not a, there's not a great deal that I believe you can take away from, from it. But there are, if you're bad in week one of the preseason, you're bad. Minnesota Vikings. Worst, literally worst, the worst appearance I've ever seen in NFL history. Yeah, but they played without everybody. I mean, don't care. Don't care. So did the Chargers and the Rams. They didn't look like an absolute inept franchise. The Minnesota Vikings looked like they were handed jerseys coming out of the tunnel and they'd never met each other before. Right. And I'm going to be honest with you. We've gone too far on this preseason thing. Mm -hmm. And Matt Rule is. Evidence one of that. If you can give me a good reason that Sam Darnold did not see snaps in that first game, I'll listen. I don't think there's any way you're going to convince me. Yeah, This is a kid that needs snaps. And so you tried out P.J. Walker. That makes no sense to me. But could it be where you're at a point where you just, you're not ready to unveil it yet? You're not unveiling anything. You're running a vanilla playbook. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean Sam doesn't need snaps with these guys. Well, they did have, so they had the joint practices with the Colts the last two weeks, or the last two days of last week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from all the things that I have read, the last, the last practice, joint practice, did not go particularly well for Sam. So would that be, would that be a reason to hold him That's out? more reason to play him to me. I got you news for you. The There's not a Panther fan on planet Earth that's going, we should be starting P.J. Walker or Will Greer. <laughs> right. There's not one. Sam's the starter, unquestioned. Mm-hmm. And he needs live reps. But do you protect the quarterback by holding them out from protect a potential from disaster? What? From the backlash that's going to come if it's bad. Well, let me make this as clear as I can. If you're so fragile that the backlash off a bad preseason game is enough to break you, you're not a starter in the NFL anyway. If that breaks your sensibilities, mm-hmm. you're not a starter in this league anyway. But to me, I and I'll be honest with you, the number one thing that I learned over this weekend, Carolina Panthers are losing the Jets in week one. Straight up. And I'm telling you, I think it's going to... You'll look back on this and go, that decision to not play Sam does not make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't care how much they play because it looks like everybody's outside of Sean McVay, who's apparently just not going to play a starter ever in a preseason game. Well, why would you? Uh, you'll see. Give it time. You'll see. All of that, the narrative of, oh, the preseason doesn't matter, you've got about five teams mm-hmm. that are going to show you exactly why it does matter. Because the Chargers are going to come out. I would say the Chargers come out a little rusty. I would say the Rams come out a little rusty. I'm starting to worry about it with Carolina. It looks like the path that all of these teams are taking is you'll crank up the starters a little bit next week, and then week three will be the dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And I'm not real sure how I feel about that. You want a week for in me? I would have I would have trotted out my starter. I would have I would have gone the Bruce Arians route. I don't say things nicely about Bryson DeChambeau's dad very often, right? But I will say I think his path to this would have been mine. I would have played the starters a drive or two in game one. Game two would be my dress rehearsal, and week three I'm making roster decisions. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at because I don't understand how you're going to do this differently. So I mean, let's uh, take. Let's take Carolina, for example. You're going to throw Sam out there next week. How much does he play? A couple of series. And that's Three series. So what you're telling me is that you're going to put in a guy in a brand new system that will have played a grand total of maybe 40 snaps in that system. Live reps. And Mm -hmm. that's if he plays three quarters in the final game. Which he won't. Oh, uh, mm, he should. I mean, now I can't rule out anything because I turned on that game just... Primed and ready to watch my guy Sam Darnold trot out there, right? And he never. Oh, what? What? Why? <laughs> why on earth would you not put him out there? Right. That makes no sense to me. And I think you're gonna regret it. I really don't understand it a whole lot either. I'm just trying to think of what's going through the mind of the coach when he decides to do something like that. And the only thing that I could think of was keeping the heat off of him. Oh, if, uh, I, I refuse to believe it's that. I 100% refuse to believe that's what it is. To me, it might be that we've just gone too far and we're talking about injuries and, oh, what could happen? Because look at how many guys over the weekend got dinged up and media members in their city are, oh, what could have been? Mm-hmm. And what would we, Chase Claypool is the one that I'm bouncing around in my head. If he had been hurt, the season would be lost. Okay. You know. We we play these games for a reason. And I think we've just gone way too overboard on they don't matter. Mm-hmm. No, they do. If they didn't matter, we wouldn't do it. We would play 20 regular season games, and we would just head out there. That's not what we do. And that's why we've never done it that way. There's a reason for that. And if you remember, I said this when they lessened the load on, on OTAs and all of the things with the virus that the injuries are going to go up. When you haven't had live rounds, mm-hmm. the first few weeks of the season are going to be ugly. That's what I took away from the weekend, is that there are going to be some teams that it just looks disjointed, and I'm afraid Carolina's going to be one of them. Yeah, I saw a lot of players play really early that either don't make that team or are going to be very bottom of the roster. At this point, just weed out what you have. Just figure out what you have. You, you you have a certain number of players that you know are not in competitions. And I would consider Sam Darnold to be one of those. As well you should. He's there not is no in a competition. No, he's not. P.J. Walker is no doubt the, backup. the, the emergency backup. He's the backup. Every other chance you're going to be uh, trotting Sam Darnold out there. 
look, I don't know. I don't I don't know why he didn't play. I can't come up with a reason why. I understand that I because I believe as well as you do that you need some reps. You you need to get those in there even if they're just half speed reps against half of the first string defense. I mean, it's one thing if you're coming back. I'll be honest with you. Even a guy like Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. I understand being reserved with Joe Burrow. He's been in that system for 18 months. Sam Darnold has been in this system for three months. Right. And it's not the easiest system to learn from what I understand. But I just refuse to believe it's, oh, what about the media yeah. and the fan? But if, if that's your problem, you got bigger problems <laughs> and bigger fish to fry. Who popped in the week one preseason games? We'll talk about those guys coming up next. Either guys that, you know, you, you were concerned about going into the, into the off season or going into the beginning of the season or some guys that weren't even on your radar that might be worth something to you now. It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. And who who was who were you most impressed with other than Zach Wilson, of course, from week one of the preseason? Uh, I mean, there was a guy in pretty much every game. Okay. A lot of them were rookies that, and I pay more attention to the rookies because, you know, obviously scout these guys, talk about them in the draft time. There are a lot of rookies that I feel really good about. Ramondre Stevenson. <sighs> 126 yards on 10 carries. I, there's one thing that I have to say. Stop looking at the stat line of preseason games because they're so misleading. Kyle Trask looked like he shouldn't be an XFL quarterback. Uh-huh. If you just look at the stat line. Until you realize that there were five drops of four of them were very catchable balls. Mm-hmm. One of them, it's close. He was fine. But, I mean, guys that really shined out to me, K.J. Hamler from Denver, that's mm-hmm. a guy that is, I can't tell you how good he's going to be. I can just tell you he was really good this weekend. <laughs> Did Cortland Sutton play in that game? No. Do you want to see more? I'm, wor- I'm, I'm I, getting worried about right, Cortland Right, I want to see more about Cortland Sutton, the, 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 the training camp videos that we've seen so far he does not look good he doesn't look sharp the knee looks bulky and kj very well could end up being the two there if Cortland sutton is not up to snuff another thing i'll tell you definitively you're worried about Najee harris for no reason okay the line's not good and i'm not sure it matters well i mean it's gonna matter when it's one on you know when it's ones on the ones it's gonna matter yeah, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think it's going to. <laughs> I think he could be really good, and that line could be average. He could. Okay. I mean, I mean I'll mean, i give you that. I, I, I saw somebody post the one of the highlights from, I think it was the, the Tennessee game last year, where they got into the backfield, hit him three yards deep into the backfield. He still turned it into a 10-yard gain at some point. And he, oh, keep talking about Pittsburgh's offensive line. Okay. I mean, I understand this kid has made big plays before, but that's in college, and this is up against I, the big not, boys. I'm not even worried about what he did, what he did at Alabama. Mm-hmm. I, I saw all that tape. I'm talking about what I saw against Philadelphia. People will look at the stat line and go, oh, he was just average. Yeah, he had two runs called back by holds, one of which was debatable at best. By the way, you want another big takeaway? The officials are in preseason mode, too. Yeah. 
I had a couple people send me that on Twitter. Like, <laughs> did you see this call? No, I didn't see that specific call, but I saw a bunch of bad ones. Oh, the 15-yard penalties are going to be fun. The taunting penalties? Oh, I'm already I've in. already and, seen and, all of those. And you know what? I know exactly how that's going to go. I didn't think about that when you brought it up to me. Yeah. You're going to see a ton of that in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to go away. They will go over the top enforcing that in the preseason because it's a point of emphasis. And then it'll be largely an afterthought. Because they are going to get plastered for it. The referees will get just drugged down a sidewalk. Well, and I don't think you're going to... Upon further investigation of that, I don't think it will be what we made it out to be. That you're going to see a guy celebrate and all of a sudden, no, I think you're going to have to go over the top. Mm -hmm. It's going to have to be bad. And you may not see it, but they heard it. That's one thing that I, I think fans have to understand. A lot of times when taunting happens, it's not what they did. It's what they said. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't hear that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not overly worried about that. I freaked out about it when you said it to me originally. But the more I, I thought about it, the more I was like, ah, you know, that's we've done this before. I, I am worried about it because I'm, I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. I think it'll be something that'll be around for the first couple of weeks of the season, and you're going to see the outrage from people when it just continues to be another disruption in the flow of the game. It's the last thing that we need. It's the last need that we needed is another crackdown on some stupid penalty that really doesn't mean anything. Well, we do this every year. Right, but, but because I'm of the mind, as you are, Jeremy, of if you if you don't want me to taunt you, stop me. Oh, I mean, I'm probably not the best one to talk about this because I am the card-carrying captain of Team Gets Mine. My favorite two words in the English language are my first name and my last right. name. So taunting is one of those things that just never really bothered me. I've never cared about the flexing on a guy. I've never cared about the stepping over a guy or, or you know, standing over a guy. What, whatever it comes down to. I've never really cared about any of that stuff. See, and I, now that I the, don't care when it happens in the end zone. What annoys me more than anything is the four-yard catch <laughs> on second and three. Yeah. And you get up and extend the ball and drop it. The, the Antonio Brown thing. Right. Stop that. <laughs> the whole the Cam Newton job. first down celebrations. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, that one drove me nuts. Uh-huh. Just, okay, okay. That was the goal. I mean, That's what you're supposed to do. But, so. there, but there is a point in the game where that can be warranted. Like oh, if it's in the fourth quarter and you're extending a drive to salt away the game or to you know you're trying to make the comeback, I, I, I will give you a pass on all of that. For the most part, yes, just celebrating first downs is is not a great look. Everybody you know always turns the clock back to Barry Sanders. Oh, and Barry Sanders scored. He never flexed or anything. He just, he just handed, handed the, ball the ball to the referee. Yeah, yeah and also Barry Sanders was not while his play on the field was one of the, one of the most electric, uh, you know, uh, entertaining things that you will ever see. Uh, I still want a little. I want a little gravy on those taters. I, I mean, it, it just doesn't bother me. It right. is what it is. I was more of a, you know, I was a big Ocho Cinco fan. When him and Joe Horn and all the rest of them were, were having the battles to see who could, whose touchdown dance could be more outrageous, I was all about it. Yeah, I'm good. I, I, those got dumb to me. I don't like the theatrics. I like emotion. <laughs> uh huh. I like seeing that you care, but I don't need to see a Sharpie. Or anything like that. I'm you see good. the cell phone. If props. It, it, anytime you get into props, to me, touchdown dances are a lot like stand-up comedy. 
if you have props, you're doing it wrong. Carrot Top would beg awful, to differ. Awful. Carrot Top is horrendous. Uh, and trust me, I know if now he, was he looks wiser, like a linebacker for the Eagles. I know. <laughs> I don't care. I was going to say, if he had been wiser with his money, you would see uh, that that pays the bills as well. Yeah, I'm not from me. Yeah, you will get zero <laughs> U.S. dollars from me. Well, it's kind of hard to use props in your stand-up comedy because, well, two raccoons. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Props would not go well in my stand-up bits. No, they would not. They would not go as well. Um, I don't know. We'll do- Let's get just a bit outside. We'll talk about some more names that popped over the weekend in the early preseason action. It was week one. Again, you can't make any definitive decisions uh, other than who the New England Patriots quarterback is going to be. We'll talk about that coming up in just a second as well. The Sports Tag. Just a bit outside. All right, here's the 411, folks. All right, Jeremy, I know I know you don't like baseball, but baseball did the coolest thing they have ever done last week. Are you talking about the Field the of, field Dreams, of game? Dreams game? was awesome, and you cannot say it was not. I mean, I can, because I didn't watch not one Stop second of it. Stop that. It was beautiful. The I heard it was fantastic. Dr- it was. The game had drama all the way down to the end. It was a walk-off win for the White Sox over the Yankees, so anytime the Yankees lose, obviously this Boston Red Sox fan is all the way in on that happening. But uh, I thought it was just beautifully done. They opened up the outfield to let the guys walk in from the corn, and it had that very, you know, it had that feel like with Kevin Costner walking out first. And then he walks out, and then the players start coming out in rows, and it was quite like the movie. It didn't have the quite, you know, it didn't have the uh, the dissolve feature on, you know, Ray Liotta fading into the corn, but it was phenomenal. I thought the stadium looked good. I didn't miss, you know, sixty thousand fans or whatever it is that you could pack into Yankee Stadium nowadays. I thought it was a great touch. And I thought it brought it, you know, it, one of the players, I don't remember who it was, said basically it, it felt like we recaptured baseball at its purest form for just a little while. I thought it was phenomenal, and I, want them to, I think they should do it every year now. Every year, let's have a Field of Dreams game. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I've never seen the movie, so it wouldn't have done anything for me. <laughs> Which is still just baffling to me. I was stuck in traffic on my way out of town. I love the fact that Frank Thomas showed up dressed up like uh, dressed up like James Earl Jones's character. He had the vest on, the uh, the Bryson DeChambeau hat, all of that. I thought it was I thought it was a great thing, and the coolest part about it is is that the field is going to stay up. They're going to use this for like Little League World Series games and stuff like that. And now I know that's usually held in Williamsport, but they're talking about it. They're talking about bringing extra events to Iowa. And look, I have I have a couple of friends that live in Iowa. Uh, they hate their lives most of the year, but this was the coolest thing that had ever happened in their state. So. <laughs> And now we get to say that the New York Yankees are the only team to ever lose a game in Iowa. How many people were in attendance for this thing? I think it was uh, eight. Was it eight thousand? Was that it? I don't see a. I don't see a number here. Oh, I have an idea. 
Okay. All right, and let's say it was eight thousand. We moved yeah, the Mi- 8, we, we moved the Miami Marlins there, and that'll actually push up their attendance. Oh, but a bunch. No, this is this is a special one-off thing. Uh, the only problem uh, reading up on what's going to happen to the Field of Dreams field now is that Major League Baseball furnished most everything for this, and they're going to be taking it all back. So the Go the Distance company that actually owns the property and is and is marketing this, they're going to have to come out of pocket and buy some lights and some stands and things like that. But I think we can do this. As a specialty, every year, and I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see more of it. I was in with the you know the game that they had at Fort Bragg with the Braves and the Marlins a couple of years ago. I'm completely in with the Field of Dreams. Let's do this everywhere. I, baseball is the one sport I think should do more of these things. Mm-hmm. These are actually good for the sport. Yeah, you're never going to see an NFL team do this. No, because they don't need to. No, <laughs> but baseball, I feel like you do. Makes all the sense in the world. And it was wonderfully done, wonderfully produced. I thought uh, it was just an absolute home run. But it's... Because if you build it, they will come. Is that a line from the movie? Yes, it is. Okay. I've heard that line before, so I just I always assume. <laughs> Speaking of things that make all the sense in the world, the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC have had preliminary discussions about forming an alliance. Likely built around scheduling, but possibly other areas. That is, without a doubt, the most no-kidding story I have ever seen in my life. Because this is what was invariably going to happen. I said on this show, the ACC and the Big Ten are going to do something. Yes. Because it would not make any sense for you to not. And you know who this puts on the clock? As soon as I read this, the first thing I thought about. The Big 12? Nope. I already knew the Big 12 is irrelevant. Yeah. The Big 12 better hope they latch on with the Mountain West, because that's about your only shot. Okay. The first thing I thought about, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is the one big free agent, the mm-hmm. one big fish that's not attached to any of these conferences. And you know what? The, you know what this does to me? What? It's these three conferences saying, hey, Notre Dame, you can keep Stanford, you can keep USC, you can keep Michigan, mm-hmm. keep all those games. But now you get Florida State, you get Clemson, you get North Carolina, you get a couple more teams in the Pac 12. We'll let you keep Navy because. That's fine. But other than that, I see a path of where this goes. These three conferences try to insulate themselves. This way, all three commissioners still run their conference. Mm -hmm. All of your non-conference games are against each other. Mm -hmm. And we try to freeze out the SEC. But do you think that it's going to have the desired effect of the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 being able to regain some power? In college football, when it comes to the decisions that are being made with the college football playoff and all of that, we know the SEC runs the show. Greg Sankey is the most powerful man in college football. Mm-hmm. We all know this. Now, with Texas and Oklahoma joining the fray in the SEC, does it really matter yes. for the Big Ten, yes. the ACC, and the Pac-12? Yes. Okay. If these three conferences are in bed together... They are more important than the SEC. Right. I hate to break your heart, SEC fans. This was the only way this was ever happening. And they know it. These three commissioners know it. because they, And I guarantee you the way that this came about was they called at each other. And it was, well, if we don't do something, one of us is going to disappear. Mm-hmm. I never thought it was going to be the Big Ten, and I never thought it was going to be the ACC. Yep. 
they're going to have straight up contractual agreements to play mm-hmm. no other no other conferences. They will play all of their games against the highest powered of the uh, uh, you know of the three conferences. And here's what here's what gets interesting to me: what happens to all the ACC rivalries with the SEC? Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech. I think you keep them. I don't think you do. I think you do. Everything I've heard is they would completely insulate themselves from the SEC. You started this, and so now you're stuck. You get to play each other and the MAC. Congratulations. Right. But that's the only way that you can harm them in any way. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine... That the Clemson South Carolina rivalry is going away. Georgia, I don't Georgia, think Georgia they Tech. would have a choice. Florida, I, I think their hands been forced. And here's the thing: maybe if you're all right, if you're Georgia Tech, they don't want you in the SEC. And no. now the SEC is its own standalone entity. Mm-hmm. Everything I have heard is that the intention of this is to create this alliance, and that's the word they keep using because I don't know another word to use, mm-hmm. and insulate it away from the SEC. They know that their television deal is going to be bigger. They know all of these things. But if they team up together and you have these non-conference overlay games, think about how big a Clemson-Ohio State non-conference game would be. Yeah. Or, or even one of the smaller ones, Florida State and Oregon. USC and Michigan. Just I mean, And you can do this on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And you do these things to where your non-conference, who it has no effect on, the bottom of all three of these conferences. Of course. If you're one of the bottom feeder teams in these conferences, I hate to break it to you, <laughs> this is not going to spill over on you all that well. No. And I don't think anybody expected they really would. This is the only way that they could see, because when I originally saw the story, you know, we've been out gallivanting all weekend long, and um, I saw this come across my phone, and I thought, oh, well, here it is. Here it is. You're going to have, you know, the big four basically, in all of these conferences, make their own conference. Well, no, that's not what they're talking about. What they want to do is be able to work this partnership so that each conference can maintain its standing or try to maintain its standing. I don't don't really necessarily believe that that's going to happen. The SEC is always going to be the power from now until the end of time, but this is a way for them to get more voices in the room. I'm just telling you. If this comes to pass, be careful just thinking the SEC would not be affected by this. It would 100% hurt you. Let me tell you why. Why? If you're insulated to only playing each other, there's going to be programs that fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. I'm looking directly at Knoxville, Tennessee. It's already happened. Mm -hmm. We've already seen it. They added A&M and Missouri, and what did it directly do? It affected Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Because Tennessee could not stay competitive. Because A&M has deeper pockets than they do, period. And a lot of other schools started moving things around and just... Kentucky. Kentucky was irrelevant in football for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Now, they're... I'm not going to say they're good, but they're relevant. And that's what's going to keep happening. And every time you... It's the old law... What is it? The law of relative... I can't remember. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. I was never good at science. I was good at sports. Sorry. <laughs> relativity. Yeah, the theory of relativity. Yeah, the theory of go. relativity. There we go. I don't know what I said the first time, but probably something I'll hear more than once. <laughs> you add two powers like Oklahoma and Texas. Well, if you're insulated to just playing each other, those two are knocking somebody down the pecking order. Right. 
And I'm looking at Tennessee. I'm looking at South Carolina. Okay, so now what? Now you've got four high-end programs, three that live in that just mediocre, Mm -hmm. and the rest of it's bad. Mm -hmm. Arkansas's bad. Mississippi State's bad. You think adding Texas and Oklahoma is not going to make them worse? No, I mean I think I mean, it the will. talent on I mean, the field they, they, might be better, but they, your record's right. going to be worse. I mean they'll they'll still be able to get recruits because they'll be highlighted on national television. I'm not talking about the teams. talent. I'm talking about where you end up. Mm-hmm. You add two teams like that. I got news for you. They're going bowling yeah. every year. Yeah, they might be any- seven and five, but they're going bowling. Right. I don't think anybody disputes that. Um, but I think the teams that have stayed in the SEC or are staying the course have now just come to the realization that, you know what, we'll take the big paycheck rather than actually being relevant in college football. Oh, and I'm not saying it's going to hurt their money. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is you were talking about the playoff and things like that. If the if these three conferences team up, it gives them power. I won't say it's more than the SEC, but I'll say it is 100% equal. Mm-hmm. Because you got to just cherry pick the ten best teams out of these three conferences, put that in one de facto conference. Guess what? It's better than the SEC. It just is. Like I mean, you may not like that, but it's the truth. Because you get Ohio State, you get Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, USC, Oregon. Pac-12 gets thin in a hurry. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> like it's be interesting. Let's see where he goes from here. Yeah. Arizona. That's like saying, we got a beautiful house and a beautiful car, and the grass is really green. <laughs> yeah. I think, the, uh, I think the, the, the super conference idea has, to this point, gone as far as it's going to go. What do you mean as far as it's going to go? I mean, now that the ACC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are all talking about making an alliance, I don't know how much bigger you... Th- how much bigger these conferences are going to get. Oh, it's not. No, no, no. In my opinion, where this goes now is, all right, these three conferences stay separate. Mm-hmm. Not entirely. All right? We're not we're not competing for league titles against each other. Right. But we play all of our non-conference games against mm-hmm. each other. That builds the schedule. Yes. And if you take all of those away, who's the SEC going to play in non-conference? You're going to see a whole lot of those paycheck games. Where they come to play small, or where small school comes to get a million dollar check, and if you think that wouldn't have an effect in the way that it's seated and the way you're looked at, I got news for you: you're not right. You think with this uh, super conference now, Alabama still plays Western Carolina and Charleston Southern? I think you would have to. You get one of those if every year. If you get frozen out by, do you realize how many teams are in these three conferences together? I mean, you're over thirty teams in these three mm-hmm. conferences plus Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. If they all put their fingers in their ears and go, nope, we play just each other, who else are you going to play? The teams from the Big 12. <laughs> who will be MAC teams? That's, I, I'm good. It's going to be way I'm better level than playing uh, a Big South team. or a... I don't think it matters, but I think they would boost up the conference schedule. It's the only solution. Mm-hmm. You tell them all, okay, everybody wants to freeze us out. We play 11 games against each other and one in the non-conference. Yep. You go get that paycheck game, that's all well and good. The thing I have not heard yet, how does this affect contracts that are already written? Because there are deals that span into the end of this decade. And I don't think you're getting out of that If that we're easily. SEC teams, we just buy our way out. Well, it wouldn't be the SEC buying their way out. It would be the other three teams going, nope, we don't play you. 
And I don't know if you read the article, but one Power 5 AD that wanted to remain anonymous said this is 100% us against them. Mm-hmm. And what no, that I mean, tells me is that they they know. Yeah. The one way you stay relevant against this, and I don't think the SEC gets any bigger. I still yet again find it comical that Clemson and Florida State try to convince us that, no, never, we <laughs> never made that call. <laughs> Meanwhile, somebody's looking at it. Did you delete the history off my cell phone? Right. Please tell me you did. You have to cover your tracks on that one. Please now tell left- me you erased yeah. that call. Because yeah, now you're left out in the cold, and the ACC still has to bring Notre Dame in the fold, and I think that's going to happen. Well, I mean, I, I got news for you. If, if the, the only two places Notre Dame could ever go were the ACC and the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Nothing else makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So if they're affiliated with each other, then of course they're going to be involved. They'll be involved, and Notre Dame will get to cherry-pick their schedule however they want to. Oh, you want to play Ohio State? There you go. No problem. Because yeah. we need you to be a speed bump for them so that their resume looks better. A speed bump. <laughs> you just, you're just writing off Notre Dame? What's that? Notre, Notre Dame's a against speed Ohio, bump now? Against Ohio State? Yeah. Yeah, I am. You know why? Because I've seen it a, a litany of times. Yeah. It never goes Notre Dame's way. You're not wrong. I know I'm not. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. It doesn't ever go Notre Dame's way, but I, I think they'll still, they'll still figure out a way to bring them, bring them into the fold. Absolutely. I mean, because that's, saying is an that's a prerequisite. Is, yeah. I mean, you got to think about how many of these teams have existing dates with Notre Dame, and then you add that to just making it, you know, making everything work. Everything looks pretty. You'll Look never, at how good our schedule looks. Right. You'll never play anybody but us. That's how that goes. You talk to Notre Dame and you say. You'll never play another SEC mm-hmm. team, and Ever. you know what? Notre Dame's going to be like, in, <laughs> absolutely, sign me up for no more SEC. That team. ACC schedule last year was a lot of fun. <laughs> Can we play Boston College every year, by the <laughs> They'll give them that as their uh, as as their money game. What's Virginia got going on for the next four years? Because we think that could be a fun home and home. <laughs> Uh, the Super Conference alignment, it continues, and will we see a a deal written in stone between the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten? My guess is absolutely. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. All right, just a few moments left in the uh, first hour of the program here, as always, brought to you by Ingles. Low prices, love the savings. I'm Tank Spencer. He's Jeremy Green. Coming up after the after Sports Center at the top of the hour, let's get into talking about uh, names on the rise in this preseason of the NFL is the discussion there on uh, on the Super Conference realignments and all of that uh, went a little bit long. Did you see the story this morning from Peter King about Aaron Rodgers? That he talked to Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers said that he thought last year going into the preseason was going to be his last year in Green Bay, which starts to make me think uh, maybe there is a future. Because I've been going in thinking immediate, this is done, he's going to be gone after this, after this year. Now I'm starting to think, well, if he thought last year was his last year, yeah, maybe there is a future for him in Green Bay. I've tried to tell you that more than once. I know. I've been putting my fingers in my ears thinking, eh, no, it's done. But if Aaron thought he was going to be done after last year, then yeah, maybe there is. I mean, bad. why wouldn't he have thought that? They just traded up to get a quarterback in the first round. Mm-hmm. I get it. I 100% get it. 
But at the end of the day, I'll believe that it won't be better for him and the Green Bay Packers when they're not together right. anymore. Well, I mean, it looks sexy when you see older quarterback, namely Tom Brady, leaving his longtime home and going and reuniting, you know, and 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 finding a new home and immediately being successful. We've seen that happen with Peyton Manning as well. Aaron Rodgers think he's that guy that he could just be plugged into a different situation and still win a Super Bowl. I would think so. I would think Aaron would be open to the best opportunity. And I just don't know that his best opportunity is going to be in Green Bay. Where else would it be? The places that we've already talked about. Miami. If Tua looks good this year, we know that's going to be out of the question. Denver's going to be an open job regardless. I don't think there's anything that Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater can do to prove to George Payton that, yes, I need to be the, the quarterback of the future here. And maybe you, maybe that roster is at the point where you don't need to be the quarterback of the future. You just need to be the quarterback for right now. At that point, Denver may be in that position. And I still would argue I don't know how much better that's going to be than Green Bay. Green Bay's a really talented team mm-hmm. in a system that he knows and is earmarked for him. By the way, one of his receivers, that's a guy we're going to talk about to start the next hour. Because <laughs> he has a receiver that's kind of been a punching bag for the last few years. Yep, He might be relevant a lot more than people think. Yeah, didn't look too bad over the weekend. I, okay, so Aaron Rodgers, I think he's in Green Bay. He will more than likely stay in Green Bay, although I think he's, I think he's still got his eye on other things. Because why wouldn't you? Especially if you're going to be in a position where, you know, you know, Devontae Adams decides that he doesn't want to come back. Of course, I think all of those guys will be tied to there as long as Aaron Rodgers gives his seal of approval. I did like with his interview with Peter King, though, he also said, you know, my relationship with all of these, and he rolled off a list of all of the guys in the organization that he's cool with. And then he goes, you know, as far as that other who he was talking about, Brian Goodekinst. Yeah, it's, it's a developing relationship, and we'll see where it lands. <laughs> I just don't know. Can you continue to have that kind of relationship with your GM for more than, uh, you know, more than a year or two? Absolutely. Okay. There have been a lot of contentious relationships oh, I, over the years. I don't doubt that. I mean, I, I, I feel like I've said this a billion times on social media. How many people listening to the sound of my voice right now don't particularly love their boss? But you deal with it. Yeah. You know why? Because it's better for all involved if you do. And if it ever becomes to a point where it's not better for all involved, then you start looking for another job. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to believe that's the case for both the team and the player when I see it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Who was uh, who? Who were the guys who dressed to impress this week in the preseason? We'll talk about some, a couple of new names, and that might have some fantasy value for you this year. Coming up next, right here on ESPN Asheville. This is the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers. I'm. I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. 
Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. Welcome into ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. Second hour of the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green, brought to you by Wicked Weed Brewing. Check out our friends at wickedweedbrewing.com. Wicked Weed Brewing. Drink different. Had, had plenty of Wicked Weed beers over the weekend. Uh, it's it's always a great weekend. A better weekend with Wicked Weed. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a few of them on the golf course. Right. Led to the front nine being a lot better than the back nine. That just becomes a prerequisite for me, though. Uh, you know, the, the wife says, hey, do you want to go out to eat? And I have to say, uh, do they have Wicked Weed beers on tap? And if they do, then the answer is yes. If they don't, then it's going to be a strongly worded letter. I can't tell my wife no. I'm sorry. I did. <laughs> it was NFL preseason weekend, though, and as I were, as we were enjoying the uh, fine Wicked Weed beers, yes, they had preseason football on the television. And most of you, if you're like me, you were looking at him going, I don't know who most of these guys are. By the time they get around to the third quarter, there's pretty much nobody playing in these games that you that even has a shot of getting on the field. Other than some of the games where we saw some of the rookie quarterbacks go into the third quarter, we've already talked about Justin Fields and how he did not look good when he was going up against the second stringers. But when he came into the third quarter and they were playing the third and fourth stringers, he looked damn good. And, and of course he does. He's super talented. But I'm just warning you, if you think that what he was in the latter part of that appearance is more what he's going to look like against the ones to start mm-hmm. out with, mm-hmm. I can't agree with you. I don't know that anybody actually expects that to happen. I mean, I know there are drunk fans that yeah, believe. You don't, you don't read uh, Twitter enough. That's... <laughs> I'm saying, uh, you know, y- y- you have to take out a certain section of the populace to be able to get a good read on what a fan base thinks. Now, you know, Quez Watkins was a guy that you said uh, on the Sportsocracy this morning. Check us out every weekday morning at 10 a.m. in the Wicked Weed studio on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Sportsocracy, that Josh Michael, our good co-worker from down the hall here at Star 104.3, um, that, that he was going crazy over Quez Watkins. But were you were you saying that in a you know he shouldn't be going head over heels for Quez or or he should because I mean Quez Watkins you know he had a he had a what a seventy nine yard screen pass that he looked really good on he also got wide open and his quarterback couldn't hit him <laughs> yeah Jalen Hurts missed him on what would have been almost a hundred yard touchdown yeah it been a ninety eight yard touchdown pass and he just missed him. So, uh, Quez Watkins, he was a sixth round pick last year out of Southern Miss. He's a guy I like. Yeah. Do you I think? Do you, is I mean, is he a guy that is now on your radar or should be on people's radar going into the season? Depends on what you're asking. I mean, is this a guy that can make the roster? Sure. Is he a guy that's going to be a Pro Bowler? No. no. I mean, the, the, the long touchdown was 100% a busted coverage, mm-hmm. of which you see a lot of that. By the way, Carolina Panthers fans, love you so much. <laughs> if I hear about that Terrace Marshall catch, what, or the 60-yarder the one more time, yeah. I'm going to scream. It was fine. 
it was it was a good play. It was a heads up play mm-hmm. because he came across on the da- on the drag route, and then he looked behind him and went, "There's no players back there. There's just not anybody back there. Like I I could just go that way, and there's nobody there." So wait, what are you saying? Are you saying that all of the memes that I'm seeing about Robbie Anderson being afraid of his job uh, because of Terrace Marshall is it, there's no truth to that? Robbie Anderson's more scared of the mascot than he is of Terrace Marshall. <laughs> Just straight up, that's as honest with you as I can be. That bear over there. What's that bear doing? Yes. That, it, Robbie Anderson is the 1A. DJ Moore is the 1B. They're they're very, very close. Really? Yes. They're very, very close. I don't know about all that. Hey, well, you're wrong. There's, there's two sides to the End of the year, you think their, their targets are going to be somewhat equal? I would say they're very close. Okay. I would say they're very close. I know you have your you have your Jets glasses. You love Robbie Anderson. You loved him last year when he came over to the Carolina Panthers. Now he has your former boyfriend Sam Darnold, who you've broken up with, and you, you are now in a steady relationship with Zach Wilson. Uh, you said his name wrong. Best quarterback in the AFC East, not named Josh <laughs> Allen. Zach Wilson, soon to be rookie of the year. Zach know, Wilson. I don't even know if that's true. Who would you rather have, Tua, Mac Jones, or Zach Wilson? I know I my answer, more. and it's not even close. I need to see more. By the way, you said their targets. Would, you said it was weird that I think their targets would be close. Yeah, yeah. Do you know where they were last year? No. Uh, Robbie had seventy-eight. DJ Moore had eighty-two. Oh, okay. yeah, I can see that happening one hundred percent again. I would say the number is going to be a little higher. I would say so with as no well. Curtis Samuel. Uh huh. Yeah, they're one A, one B. Okay, but yeah, I mean, there were a lot of guys that I look at and go, "You're you probably have more of a role than I thought." A guy mm-hmm. I mentioned in the first hour, KJ Hamler. Mm-hmm. If I'm Denver, I look at Drew Locke, I look at Teddy Bridgewater, who were both good. Now, granted, they were playing against a team that I'm not 100 percent sure had actually met each other before they got on the field, all wearing the same color jersey, because it really looked like they hadn't. So and I heard a lot of Drew Locke has turned a corner. Calm down, okay, uh, okay, calm down. <laughs> One preseason game, yeah. Jarrett Patterson is a name that I've been hearing as well. Apparently, he turned some heads. I mean, seventy yards from scrimmage on fourteen touches. This is not bad for a preseason game. Do you believe in the talent? Can he actually carve out a decent role in the running game for the Washington football team? Jarrett Patterson, of course, if you're not familiar, he's the running back out of Buffalo last year that set the world on fire with his, what was it, eight-touchdown game he had? Uh, Yeah, he's a very good running back, and I like him a lot. One thing I'll tell you about the preseason, when coaches are really honest about something, you should probably listen to them. And Ron Rivera has basically compared him to Darren Sproles no less than ten times. You should probably listen to that. Mm-hmm. See, to me, that has no effect on a- on Antonio Gibson. That would have an effect on J.D. McKissick. Yes. And I could see a path where those two kind of split passing down work. One thing I noticed with Antonio Gibson, he had, what did I say this morning, 42 targets last year? Mm-hmm. I won't be shocked if that number's double. I could easily see that number being double. I said that from the end of last year. Yeah, Going and they kept and trying to. It, they, thought, they were flooding me with the. But JD McKissick's such a good stop. It's, uh, He's also thirty years old. 
J.D. McKissick has a role, sure. Yeah, that's what I keep saying about Damian or, uh, uh, Damian Williams, too, and nobody seems to want to listen to me. <laughs> oh, that he's 30 years old? Yeah, he's 29. Yeah. People think because they had never heard his name, uh, oh, he, he really came on with the Chiefs. Yeah, what happened the last time the Bears looked at a guy that was good with the Chiefs and went, hey, that'll work. They got Matt Nagy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Antonio Gibson has a full-on uh, guaranteed role with the Washington football team, and I can fully see him being used much more in the passing game this year than he was last year. I'll tell you a guy that, you know, we talked about this game earlier, and you've actually asked me about another player from this game. Mm-hmm. A guy that I, you could literally give me 14 range of outcomes, and I have no idea which one it's going to be. Okay. Zach Ertz. You can tell me he's the number one tight end of, for the Philadelphia Eagles, or they cut him. You know what? You're probably right. Because <laughs> I do not have the foggiest clue. I just can't believe they haven't been able to trade him. Well, I mean, he had a really ugly drop. I mean, an ugly drop. Oh, in drop. the preseason game? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could literally had Jalen Hurts could have handed it to him, and I don't think it would have been put in any better of a spot, and he right. just outright dropped it. No, just, I, that's the one That's one thing that has baffled me from this entire offseason, is that we were told, it was reported, that early in the process, Zach Ertz was told what from the Philadelphia Eagles? Go find a deal. Go find somebody who will take you on, and we will trade you. And he couldn't find anybody? He and couldn't I, find one single team to give I up still a seventh-round pick? And I still maintain, today is a great day for Zach Ertz to become a Buffalo Bill. <laughs> is it also a great day for Deshaun Watson to become an Eagle? Every day is a great day Every for day. Deshaun Watson to become an Eagle. Uh, Although, I will say, uh, I have never been less confident that Deshaun Watson's going to play than I am right now. Okay. Things happen over the weekend. There's a possibility that there's well, what happened? Oh, there's a grand jury convening. Uh-huh. You could, the one thing that I have always said is the one thing that could keep him off the field is if criminal charges mm-hmm. are filed. Civil will never do it. Mm-hmm. And it could be a thing that Houston just sat around and waited it out, and the legal system does not, it for him. Have I not seen this? There is a grand jury meeting? I, or that's the theory, anyway? Yes. They're, they're investigating whether to file criminal charges and mm-hmm. a grand jury could be convened yeah. to, to do as such. That's, yeah, that's if that happens, that. he immediately goes on the commissioner's exempt list, yes. and the Houston Texans can just go, well, deal that one, we have to. Which will be at the end of, the, end of the, the, the year. God, I don't know where it goes from there. Yeah. But again, I've always said this on the show. I have no idea. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not any of those things. All I do tell you what I have been told. Wow. I had not heard that about the grand jury. So that is that is an interesting development uh, in in that realm. It would change things. Greatly. Hey, at least the, at least the Philadelphia Eagles know they have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Yep, real bad one. <laughs> yeah, they have a real bad quarterback. <laughs> He's. He's not good. Yeah, I mean, after watching him in the first preseason game, it's just, I mean, it's laughable. He is so inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And, I, and the bad thing is, I don't even mechanically know how to fix it. Like, I, I can't look at one thing and go, oh, his feet are off. Oh, his, it, it's none of, it's just, it's all bad. Yeah. Like, every bit of it, just, n- no, not that. What I, are you I'm, saying, that he has, like, a street ball kind of a... No, 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 what I'm saying is he's got a, it's a very obvious that 
he's a very good runner. Mm-hmm. I said when he got drafted, the best I think you could ever expect him to be is a real home run version of Taysom Hill. He's a better runner than Taysom Hill is. He's not as fast, but he can run you over. I just never th- there was never a time there was never a tape there was never a game where I went, "Yep, that arm is that is an NFL level arm." And I just I think you're seeing it every time he steps on the field Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And they know it. It's really obvious. If you look at how they call plays, it is abundantly clear that they know. I mean, I'm not telling you anything that they haven't figured out already. Mm-hmm. If you gave Howie Roseman one grand wish, let's say Aladdin's lamp landed on his desk, the one wish that he would, please let me go back and not take Jalen Hurts, because I am going to be defined by this for the rest of my career, and it is not going well. Uh, I did read that uh, Doug Peterson showed up this weekend at uh, Indianapolis Colts training camp, went to see his good friend Frank Reich, and also threw in there, you know, I, I really wanted to see Carson as well, that our relationship was really good, and... I hope I hope he you know has great success in Indianapolis and all of that. I thought they were weren't they trying to pit those two against each other? That it was Doug Peterson against Carson Wentz. Maybe when they were in Philadelphia was that? I mean, there were there were articles written about that. Right. I thought that was the story that they were trying to tell us. Doug Peterson's currently going. Hey, where could I possibly find a job? Jacksonville. Jacksonville in about nine weeks. Okay, let me ask you. Where could I find a job that I want? <laughs> uh, Jacksonville just, they, they just keep tripping over themselves. The Jacksonville, Doug Peterson being offered the Jacksonville Jaguars job would, like, would be like me being offered a job in an aviary. I would rather do anything else. Are you sure this is the only thing? Right. No, I'll just sit on unemployment for longer. Can I I'm not? Gonna, I'm going to reject this. Can job. I not clean septic systems or something? Because I would really much rather do that. Uh, other guys that popped over the weekend for you. Uh, we talked a little bit this morning about Rondale Moore, and what? they're going to manufacture that kid carries or touches as well. They should. They will get him the ball any way they can. I will say this though. I watched a lot of tape on because I really liked him coming out of Purdue. Seeing him on an NFL field, I think somehow he got three inches shorter. No, it's just, I mean, it's the camera angles. It I was him... watching him in the huddle like, what is he, 5'2"? Like, did he get shorter? It looks like Muggsy Bogues out there. But, man, he's electric with the ball mm-hmm. in his hand. Which we all knew. Oh, one other thing that I'd be remiss if I didn't say, because I do know we have a litany uh-huh. Of New York Jet listeners, okay, impartially because of me, because yeah. you know, Jets. Yeah, thanks for bringing them into the fold. Hey, hey. no, nah, I love you all. They're wonderful. I love them all. <laughs> uh, one of two things I learned uh, the, in the Snoopy Bowl. Okay, either the New York Giants are absolutely horribly awful. Yep, or the Jets are better than you think they are. I think it's a little bit of both. I watched literally any edge rusher that lined up against Andrew Thomas just beat him like a mm-hmm. kettle drum. Mm-hmm. By the way, all those people say, they keep telling me I'm wrong about Saquon Barkley. No, I'm not. He will have nowhere to run. Saquon is a tremendous talent. Mm-hmm. You could tell me that he did that Space Jam thing with a ball from Barry Sanders. I do not care. 
behind that offensive line, I don't think a bulldozer could get four yards of carry behind that. Yeah. It, it's one of the most mind-boggling things I've ever seen. And then you flipped it around, and their defensive line looked terrible against the Jets' offensive line. And no, I don't for a second believe that's because we're so good. Except for Ozizo Jalari just handing it to Makai Becton. Once. That was the <laughs> yeah. that was the storyline on the Giants wire this morning was Ozizo Jalari recaps his beatdown of Makai Becton. Uh yeah, that was that one play. Once. There was also uh the Jets averaging five and a half yards of carry behind Makai Becton until he went out of the game. Yeah. Any other big hitters from uh, from from the preseason week one? Uh, a job that we've talked about a lot. Jameis Winston's going to be the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, yes. or Sean Payton is not as smart as I think he is. And if you need a guy, you're in a fantasy draft, and you're like, where can I find an Aunt Marquez Callaway? I'm going to keep saying that name until I make it a thing. Just keep hammering. because he is not bad at football. You know who is bad at football? Every other player on the New Orleans Saints depth chart whose position is wide receiver. <laughs> uh, what did we learn for preseason week one? It's right here in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green on ESPN Asheville. This is G. Duggaroff, voice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Sports Tank. Fire them cannons. By golly, put more powder in those things. Yeah, before you say anything, I know we lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. It's preseason week one. Nobody played. I don't care. I was going to say, you know there are other buttons on that board, right? <laughs> like a lot of them. I will say one guy that impressed me, though, was Joe Tryon. Joe Tryon, the first-round draft pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that's going to work out just fine. We have there seen... are a lot of people that really liked him going into the draft. Yeah. And uh, I will say it was uh, it was a late in the game thing as far as what's being reported out of the front office of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that it was just a couple of days before the draft that they started to go you know what maybe we should do that maybe we should pull the trigger on this Joe Tryon thing and he fits the scheme perfectly. There are a lot of Jason Taylor comps being thrown around about him, and I'm not sure they're completely wrong. I mean, I'm not saying he's at that level yet, but he does have a striking resemblance when he is on the field, just as long and as fast as he actually is. And, you know, Aziz Ojolari is one that's getting some love after the preseason week one games with the, with the New York Giants. Um, Joseph Asai, also from that Tampa Bay game, he had five hurries in that game for the Cincinnati Bengals. I know he was a guy that you liked, you really liked coming out of Texas. It was Joseph Asai. I like him a lot, yes. And, and I did, still do. He did a lot in that preseason game to make people go, oh, well, maybe this is our maybe this is our next big hit. He was just one of those guys that shined on tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could not watch Texas on defense and not get stuck just, w- just staring down Joseph Asai. All right, uh, Mr. Mr. Draft Scout. I do have to ask you about Michael Strawn from the Indianapolis Colts. I have no idea who this guy is, but in the last three days, it seems like that's the only name that I have heard about coming out of Indiana, Indianapolis. And I'm not going to lie to you. I have absolutely no idea who he is. <laughs> His name is apparently pronounced Strawn, but it's spelled Strachan. 
and I don't know where he came from, but he made one catch against the Carolina Panthers that looked like, okay, this guy might actually be consideration for the, the three spot. Yeah, he's not that good. He played at Charleston. Not that Charleston. No. He played at the Charleston in West Virginia. Okay. Uh, I'll put it the this The University way. of Charleston. Correct. In West Virginia. Correct. Not College of Charleston. Nope. Not that one. <laughs> uh, I'll, and I'll put it this way. This is how well-known he was. I mean, he was one of those deep sleeper late. I'm not going to say I didn't watch any tape on him, but it was very little, and it mm-hmm. was very grainy and looked very much like the Zapruder film. He's a real tall guy. But just, okay, like, and these are the ones that drive me nuts. <laughs> The guy that's at the back end of the seventh round or undrafted free agent, well, they fell there for a reason. Mm-hmm. He's also very, very tall, and he drew a very nice matchup. So just, is he a guy that can make the roster? Sure. Is he going to have a whole lot of impact? Right. No, not really. No, not really. Um, Rashad Bateman. The stories about Rashad Bateman having He's to gonna have He's going to miss surgery. the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. unequivocally. My question to you, from the fallout of, of him having to have surgery and missing some time, does this give us a chance to see Tylen Wallace step in and, pl- and, and play a bigger role than we might have expected? He I would. would say probably no. Which is unfortunate. I think you're still going to see it be some combination of Sammy Watkins. I mean, Tylen Wallace factors into that. I just don't. I don't think it's going to be a ton. But it's going to be. They still got a guy in James Proch that they took out of SMU last right, year that I'm right. I'm very fond of. Miles Boykin is still going to get some run. Yeah. <laughs> People can't see my face, but I think I rolled my eyes into the back of my head. Have we overblown? Have we overblown the additions to the passing game for the Baltimore Ravens? No. If they're healthy, they're very important. That that's actually to me the bigger part of this narrative is now. I I think they knew. To get over the hump, you have to have passing game weapons. This couldn't be Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed. Uh, I'm forgetting one. Oh, who am I forgetting? Des Bryant. You, you can't do that again. Right. And now two of the three starting wide receivers are out and going to miss. Probably Rashad Bateman could miss the first month of the year. Mm-hmm. Marquise Brown, I believe, is going to miss week one. From there, I don't really know. But that's something to keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. And the bad thing is both of their injuries are things that don't tend to heal well. Anytime you get into like quad, hamstring, abductor injury, they don't heal well. Groins. Groins are bad. Yeah, it's something that you deal with all year long. Doesn't change the fact that I'm still high on the Ravens. Just maybe not as high as I was. Mm -hmm. And guess who else is dealing with a groin injury? Melvin Gordon. I'm getting more and more convinced that Melvin Gordon... I, I mean, I think he's going to have a role. Uh-huh. Javante Williams looked good. That's a kid that obviously we were very high on going into the draft. Mm-hmm. I'm still very high on. They traded up to go get him. It's one of Jeremy's number one rules of preseason football. When, they're try, when they keep trying to tell you something, you should probably listen. Like, oh... Ha- have you ever seen somebody's fantasy stock dive faster than Miles Gaskin? I tried my best to tell you. You did. But what we saw and the, and the words that came out of Brian Flores' mouth after that preseason game was, <laughs> I don't know where all of that came from. 
I'll give you the details on that up next. On the weird scale, there's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. Right, as we know, North Carolina, uh, and specifically the Asheville area, tends to end up on, on, on a lot of these lists. Like, best place to retire to, best place to get your beer, what, best place to listen to the sportsocracy. Uh, <laughs> beer City's best sports talk. Anyhow, I did not know that we are number five in the nation for um, minors getting married. Did you? Or were you aware of this? I one hundred percent did not think that's where this was going. <laughs> I I one hundred percent did not plan on taking this there until I saw that stat. There is a bill going around the North Carolina General Assembly that is uh, talking about getting rid or or upping the age at which you can get married in the state of North Carolina. I don't know that I was under. I was aware that in this state, with permission. And you get it okayed by a judge, you can get married at 14 in this state. I'm a big fan, as somebody that has been married before. Uh, you should not be allowed in this state to get married before you're 30. <laughs> Just to save you from yourself? 100%. Yeah. At least I should not have been allowed to. No. Uh, maybe there should be some kind of an IQ test. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, then I would have never gotten married because I was never passing an IQ test. Right. Uh, North Carolina is currently one of 13 states that allow children under the age of 16 to get married. In a 15-year period, from 2000 to 2015, according to the reports, there were 8,800 minors that got married because they came to North Carolina to do so. That all of the surrounding states have been, you know, upping their age. And now the people are coming from Kentucky and Tennessee and probably West Virginia to come down here and marry their 14-year-old girlfriends. Drew Reisinger, the uh, Buncombe County Register of Deeds, was quoted in this AP story uh, that probably gener- probably initiated from the Asheville Citizen Times that was talking about... Uh, how there had been a lot of applications, including one more recently, a 49-year-old man trying to wed a 17-year-old female coming to North Carolina to get it done because it's the only state that they could get it done in. I am proud of the North Carolina General Assembly for, for trying to get rid of this. 100%. That- <laughs> number, we're number five. Not something to celebrate. I say this in this segment all the time. Don't, don't do, crimes. do crimes. Especially don't do really stupid crimes. Over the weekend, there was a really stupid crime in Wisconsin. A 19-year-old woman has been charged with negligent use of a weapon. Okay. Would you would you care to get, take a guess of what she did? Negligent use of a weapon? Um, I don't know. Did she leave a gun out for a toddler to get to it? Nope. That would also be terrible. Yes. This 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 is one of those things that I'm going to say it. I'm just going to leave it sitting there and you do with it what you want to. Okay. She had been joined at her apartment by a 21-year-old man who had brought a handgun. Apparently, the 19-year-old woman had been drinking. That's crime one. She proceeded to take the handgun and use its laser sight to 
Mess with her cat. Oh, no. Oh, no, it gets better. No. I'm not done yet. So whilst messing with her cat and taking the laser pointer and making the cat chase it, the firearm went off and shot the 21-year-old man in the thigh. <laughs> At least it wasn't the cat. Nope. That's where I thought this was going. Nope. And it gets worse. By the way, that's crime number two. Crime number three is that the 21-year-old man was a felon and was not allowed to possess a firearm. So Beth, both the, the man was treated at the scene, taken to the hospital, and later arrested and charged with unlawful possession of a firearm by uh-huh. a felon. Uh-huh. Don't do crimes at all. Especially don't do multiple crimes. Mm-hmm. That's three crimes in one crime. <laughs> I'm still... I, I just read this. I read this article and I was like, it just keeps compounding. Yeah. Not I mean, only was she using the laser sight on a gun to torture her cat. It's not torture. It's well, healthy they, activity they, for well, the they, cat. Yeah, it's but not on a gun. Not it's on not, a gun. No, no. By a laser pointer. <laughs> but I don't have one of those, and you know, I feel like Taco did that moment. on the league. Use the flashlight on top of it. Bad idea. Don't do that. It is not just a flashlight. It is a flashlight attached to a firearm. Uh Use firearms responsibly. I've always been a big fan of the saying, play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Allegedly, the woman told police that she had consumed enough beverages. She thought she had taken the magazine out of the gun. Uh Uh-huh. Not only did she not take the magazine out of the gun, the safety was not on, and the magazine was fully loaded in the firearm. Yeah. Did they ask... Don't don't use the laser pointer on a gun! (laughs) Why? I swear to you, every day I say, I'm not going to be surprised by what I find here. Every day. I say that every single day. Yeah. And And every day. Every day. Here we are. You're just proven wrong every day. Uh, by the way, I want to squeeze this in there. Uh, in the world of the NBA, Utah Jazz have signed former UNC Asheville standout Macy Oteague to an actual contract. He was playing with the Summer League team. And the, the, the terms of the deal have not been released, but we are hearing that Maceo has picked up a contract from the Utah Jazz. So congratulations to him. I feel like, uh, I, I feel like he can be a decent deep bench player for a long time in the league. So congratulations to Maceo on that one. And, of course, once it comes time for UNC Asheville basketball, of course, iHeartMedia Asheville is your source for UNC Asheville basketball. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, any, any more to wrap up on the preseason games this weekend? No. I mean, I think you've got, you got some clarity on some, uh, on some uh, quarterback competitions. Yeah. Let's do, I don't think there's going to be a lot of... Let's, let, let's do the roundtable. Let's do the, the real quick update. So San Francisco... It's Jimmy G and it's not even close. All right, in New England. To me, it's Mac Jones. The fact that Cam Newton came out today and said Bill Belichick has not told us anything, mm-hmm. that kind of tells me I'm right. I would agree with that. I'm... And- Pretty sure Cam Newton's not going to make this team. Right. And the fact that, uh, you know, Cam Newton, as soon as he made a couple of uh, incomplete passes during that preseason game, they started booing him. The Patriots fans did. So. Yeah. And I, I, with, especially with Belichick, I wouldn't put much stock in that. 
it's more you saw everything out of Mac Jones mm-hmm. you needed. Mm-hmm. That offense is predicated on somebody that gets the ball out on time, gets it in the playmaker's hands, just keep moving the chains. There is zero doubt that uh, in Chicago that should be Justin Fields' job. I don't disagree with the way you said that. I'm not ready to definitively say that it will be. That's still the same concoction of issues that we've talked about in the past. Yeah. I mean, I got news for you. If they start Justin Fields from week one, there are going to be growing pains. Of course there will. And I feel like the more things that are happening, the more things that are setting him up for failure. Because he comes out and everything I have heard is, oh, he was so good and so wonderful. No, uh uh-uh. No, he, he really wasn't. He was good. There was good. I saw good. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you. I felt the same way about every quarterback not named Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. There was some good, and there was some really bad. Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, they were asked to do very little. They stayed within the confines of what they were asked to do. And you know what they both have in common? They have defensive head coaches. Don't turn the ball over. Don't make the play that beats us. The defense, running game, all of the things will come together. I don't see that same thing in Chicago. The tight- I don't see it in Jacksonville, and I don't see Trey Lance starting in San Francisco. Yeah, the tightest quarterback competition is in Denver, correct? In terms of where it sits or where it should sit? In terms of where it sits right now. Between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. No, the closest one's in New Orleans. Uh, between Taysom and The closest and one's in New Orleans. I mean, I said from the get-go, if Drew Locke is even in the same stratosphere as Teddy Bridgewater, he should be the starter. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's how that's going to go. I think what the, the way this will go, you'll see Drew Locke against the ones a week from now. It's not going to go particularly well. That will be the opening for the coaching staff, the front office, to say, okay, well, we're going to start Teddy in the, in the third preseason game, the dress rehearsal game. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sets up for him to... I mean, you're not going to see him press it down the field. But I can see the completion percentage being higher. I can see the offense moving. And that sets up for Bridgewater to to, to start there. Okay, so down in New Orleans, I, you know, when I saw... When I saw the highlights, or the lack thereof, from Taysom Hill's tenure in the first preseason game, I went, no. This has got to be Jameis Winston's job. Well, there was good and there was bad of both. Uh, there were also six turnovers, so I don't think anybody. And Sean Payton said that repeatedly. Yeah, I don't think we can talk about any of the good without saying six turnovers. Mm-hmm. So I would say that one is still. I would say it's fifty-fifty at best. From what I saw, I see more of Jameis Winston. But then again, you still have to deal with the bad of he's going to turn the ball over a ton. Yes, he tries to force things. Anybody that tries to tell me it was the LASIK, I have heard that it is not that. <laughs> I got news for you. He got LASIK, and he still makes bad decisions. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I see a merit to both. I really do. I know you don't. I see a merit to both. From a strictly on-the-field standpoint, I'm looking at the fact that this is a team that does not have any weapons that really scare me outside Mm -hmm. of a running back and a tight end. I have one quarterback that really likes to push the ball down the field, and I just don't see any weapons that are going to do that. So you think keeping everything short and having a running quarterback in there could benefit the Saints more than having Jameis in there? 
I could see a path that Taysom Hill leads New Orleans to more New Orleans to more wins than Jameis Winston. I don't see Taysom Hill beating you. I could see a path where Jameis Winston beats you on both sides. Yes. I could see him beating a team that he shouldn't. I could see him losing to a team that he shouldn't and mm-hmm. beating his own team. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Sean Payton's head is with with that. I think the ceiling with Jameis Winston's markedly higher. I also think the so- the floor is drastically lower. I don't ever see Taysom Hill coming out and throwing three interceptions. I don't think he's going to have to do that. Right. They're going to run a very modified version of kind of what you see in Baltimore. And I could see a path if you really believe in the defense and you believe they're better than Carolina, they're better than Atlanta, that that could slide them into right around the wild card territory. If you have your New Orleans Saints colored glasses on, which Sean Payton obviously is going to. Mm Mm-hmm. I could understand how you get there. I could understand how you get there with Drew Locke in Denver. I could understand, those are the two jobs that I really look at and go, I understand the rationale. I'm not going to say it's what I would do. For me, it's Jameis Winston and it's Teddy Bridgewater in Denver. Mm-hmm. But I understand why you why the other could end up winning that job. Yeah, I do not understand how Andy Dalton wins the job in Chicago. I, I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. It doesn't to me either. I think he has the most upside, uh, no doubt, of anybody that they could start at the quarterback position, and I also think he gives them their biggest excuse. Because I think there's a lot of winnable games on that schedule for the Chicago Bears, and even if Jameis Winston, even if Justin Fields is not the greatest of the rookie quarterbacks in in this first year, I still think they can be an outside playoff team, if not slip up and actually make the playoffs, and then you've got a hell of an argument. I do feel like since we've talked so much about the preseason today, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the preseason GOAT. Who's that? Top three greatest quarterbacks that ever lived. Tom Brady, Dan Marino, preseason Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman. (laughs) (laughs) Three greatest quarterbacks that ever lived. Uh huh. Peterman was twenty nine to thirty nine for two hundred forty six yards. Mm-hmm. Do you realize that he threw more passes by himself than all but like three teams? Really? Yes. Uh, just, uh, and, and it happens every year, and I do not, for the life of me, understand it. Why? Why does he continue to have to be a thing? No clue. Of course, he's not a thing. No, he's, he's not. He's only in the preseason. Yeah. They looked, at, they looked at Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota and went, no, man, Nathan Peterman time, man. <laughs> we never look better than with Nathan Peterman. Again, what else are you going to learn? Unless you have a quarterback competition, you don't really need to play these guys right now. There are some situations where it where it lends itself. We talked about it in the first hour with Sam Darnold. Obviously, being in a new system, you want to get them as many reps as possible. I guess I look at a team that, in my opinion, did it the right way. I look at the Detroit Lions and go, that's a team that did it the right way. Okay. Jared Goff's in a new system. Jared Goff is the best player on that roster to get his guys reps. Mm Mm-hmm. Reps with Jared Goff are going to be better for Amonra St. Brown than any other player on that roster. So a lot of people say, well, why did Jared Goff play so much? Because who else are you going to play? 
You, you feel good about any other quarterback on that roster? Tell me who the quarterbacks are on that roster, because I'm not sure I know off the I'm top of gonna my head. I'm not going to lie. I, I 100% change, I, I turned that game off when Jared Goff's out. David out. Bluff? Is he still? Uh, he's on the roster, yes. Right. Let's see. The I, other I think quarterback I Tim Boyle. I knew there Tim was Boyle. one that I'm like, it was right on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, it's Tim Boyle and David Bluff. Okay. Yeah, neither of those guys are seeing the field at all. Well, I mean, neither one, neither one of them throws the ball particularly well. So you got a guy like Amon or St. Brown that you're wanting to get reps for because he's going to be a starter on that team. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, you want to hear another starter that nobody seems to want to talk about? Yeah. Jamal Williams starting running back at the Detroit Lions. You're smart my words. I keep watching people take DeAndre Swift in the back end of the second, beginning of the third round in fantasy mm-hmm. drafts. And it's that one and Miles Gaskin. Those are the two that I'm like, I've tried all I can do to tell you. Well, Miles Gaskin, he didn't even start in the first no. preseason game. No, no, he didn't. They actually started Malcolm Brown, yeah. who came over from the LA Rams. And then after the game, Brian Flores, they asked him about it, and he said, Well, this I mean, this is a time split. This this is a this is the three headed monster. This is not going to be one over the other. This is going to be Miles Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, and Salvon Ahmed. And yeah, that's I don't all you're know that get. I would call that a three-headed monster. Well, no, but it's I mean, like a it's three-headed con- throw pillow. <laughs> <laughs> like a three-headed stuffed animal. Uh, three-headed quagmire is what it is. It, it's, it's all bad. Mm-hmm. It's all bad, but bad, bad, bad. If mm-hmm. you remember, I tried to tell you this with Miles Gaskin. Absolutely. I said, Malcolm Brown... That's a guy that has reps. That's a guy that strikes me as Brian Flores kind of guy. And Detroit has literally done everything in their power to tell you that Jamal Williams is going to have a bigger role. It's not one that you want, though. Which one, Miami or Detroit? Uh, nothing. Nothing in Miami. Nothing for that Miami running game. I agree with you about nothing in Miami. I disagree with you about Jamal Williams. Oh, I. I if you're drafting for fantasy football purposes, that's a guy that you can still get in the 11th round mm-hmm. because people are just putting their fingers in their ears with DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. Not thinking about the fact nobody in this front office has anything invest, invested in DeAndre Swift. You think he's great because he went to Georgia. A lot of people watched him coming out of college. Oh, we left DeAndre. I tried to tell you this is a guy that I do not think can handle full workload in the NFL. What do they do? First decision they make is bring in Jamal Williams. Mm-hmm. What are they trying to tell you? We agree. We don't think he can handle for full workload. No, because he never has. Nope. Nope. He never has. There's always been another back. When, I don't, even when he was at Georgia, there was another back. I don't ever do the do not draft list. Mm-hmm. Because I think at some point, everybody has a value. Mm-hmm. Those are just two guys whose value is probably six rounds later than they're being drafted. Right, which means do not draft them. Because you'll never get them for a value. Well, you know, if they fall to the eighth round. Then well, yeah, nobody's going to do that, yeah, though. Yeah, I, mean, I know. <laughs> I'm well aware. Okay, I was going to say. Because uh, you will not be in a draft with live people where well, you might not be. a single one of them in the league is not going to take the opportunity to draft DeAndre Swift or Miles Gaskin hey, in the I fourth was, or fifth round. I was in a draft last night where somebody took Cam Akers in the third round. That's 3D chess, brother. Oh, did they get auto-drafted? No. Was that? <laughs> no, that's the saddest part. No, they did not. Oh, did you say the wrong name? Uh, they thought they were taking Darrell Henderson, and they saw Akers and apparently the little... The, the big X beside it, it wasn't enough. I the mean, that's X like, beside their name. Oh, it, the, not the, playing. Uh, yeah, Bye. yeah. 
cannot currently walk uh, right. is what I think that X means. The little hospital tag yeah. next to it. I yeah. got you. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. I, uh, I I saw that and I went, that's 3D chess right there, man. <laughs> you're taking a guy that's not even, even going to play a snap. Watch me lose. That's one of those teams that I walked away from and went, I'm either, either going to be brilliant or I'm going to drink more on Sundays because it's that bad. Yeah, he's going to drink more on Sundays. I have a feeling. Uh, we will be breaking down that team, by the way, coming up tomorrow morning in the Sportsocracy when we will focus on high-risk fantasy plays. Which is that entire season. team. It's the entire team. There's only one guy on the team that I looked at and went, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, you really hit it out of the park with that one. The other one's Nick massive gambles. You think Nick Chubb is a well, massive gamble? Not a massive gamble. You think gamble. Joe Mixon is a massive gamble? Could go poorly. Ah, I don't think so. With Joe Mixon? Nah, I don't think so. I think it'll be just fine. I think it'll be just fine. High-risk fantasy plays tomorrow morning in the Sportsocracy. Check us out on YouTube. 10 a.m. We'll be live from the Wicked Weed Studio. And after the break... We have an announcement that could directly affect you, the listener. It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. Tank Spencer and Jeremy Green, the sports tank with Jeremy Green, heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And we got big doings going on with the uh, sports tank with Jeremy Green and the sportsocracy. Fantasy football. Calling it competition for a cause. You get in on the fantasy football, uh, there will be... There will be fees? Uh, yeah, so we got three different entry levels. Mm-hmm. There's $20, $50, $100. So that's your entry fee to get in. Mm-hmm. You'll be paired with other people in best ball leagues that ha- that paid the same entry fee. Uh, depending on the entry level, there's different prizes that come from our fantastic sponsors. Yes. Uh, and if you're in the highest level, you can win an official uh, ring of the show that we have a uh, somebody that's making these for us. And the proceeds of this go to uh, Eblen Charities. That's right. We have uh, we have se- we have secured the approval. Uh, we we basically just had to call and say, "Hey, are you okay with uh, with us giving you money?" And they went, uh, "Yes, we are a charity. We would love for you to give us money." Yes. So we are going to be hooking up with uh, the the great charity of the Saint Nicholas Project. We do the toy drive every year for the Eblen Charity Saint Nicholas Project, and all of our uh, proceeds. Uh, from these will be going uh, from the fantasy football leagues will be going to the St. Nicholas project to uh, you know get kids in our area something for Christmas uh, and we'll be uh, we will have a on our website thesportsocracy.com we will have a portal where you can do all of these things you can see the different levels they'll be up it'll be up either hopefully tomorrow definitely by Wednesday right uh, we just wanted to get this out there so you know that it's coming uh, and, and this is something we're really looking forward to we've got a lot of people involved with this and and really looking forward to doing some good with some fantasy football. <laughs> and I will be, I, and I, I'm sure you will sprinkle yourself in these as well. I will be sprinkling myself in, so you might get to play against me. Oh, in the fantasy football leagues? Yes, uh, yes, I will be making donations uh, uh, as well. I I see a very high probability that I make a <clears throat> quite sizable donation. <laughs> just because you have to just because i see names that i know people that comment on things with the show and i go right oh i want to beat you a lot 
And there we go. And it goes. Uh, check out our friends, uh, Eblin Charities at EblinCharities.org. org. The, uh, the St. Nicholas project will be, uh, will be getting the fruits of our fantasy football fun in the best ball leagues. Look forward to more information on that. Check us out at the sportsocracy.com. We'll be live in the sportsocracy in the Wicked Weed studio tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. And of course, back here as usual on ESPN Asheville tomorrow afternoon at 3.